Every one of us, without exception, have weaknesses. Without exception. Every single one of us have at least one weakness. I have multiple weaknesses. Some of us have an easier time than others in our ability to confess and acknowledge our weaknesses. There are some people who allow their weaknesses to control their lives. There are some who focus so much on their weaknesses that they become so paralyzed by those weaknesses. And here is something of vital importance. Listen to me carefully. To acknowledge our strength is good, but to acknowledge our weaknesses is even better. But here's the problem. Here's the danger. What really causes us pain, what causes us defeat, what really hinders us from living joyful, fulfilled, and fruitful life for Jesus Christ, what hinders us from walking by faith, and what keeps us staying still because we live by sight, is when we mistake our weaknesses for strength. Or we try to rationalize our weaknesses. And when we do that, we don't give God, the Holy Spirit, an opportunity to take those weaknesses, turn them around, and use us in a mighty way. Take, for example, a control freak. And I'm sure you don't have anybody like that at your house. But that person, when he or she confesses that weakness... And when asked the Lord God to come and to strengthen them, God not only going to forgive, but He's going to give the victory over these weaknesses. But if I say, well, if I weren't like this, nothing would get done. If I weren't like this, I could never be successful. That is rationalizing a weakness, not acknowledging it and confessing it. Or take the person who's filled with doubt all the time. Now, most of us have some doubt sometime, but if you have a, see a person who is constantly living in doubt, and if that person confesses that doubt to God, if that person asks for the power of God to replace this doubt with the gift of faith, God will answer that prayer more than answer that prayer. And He will empower you to live by faith and to overcome that doubt. But if you rationalize the doubt by saying, well, I'm just being realistic, well, I'm just being practical, then you'll never overcome doubt. So weaknesses are not the problem. Weaknesses are not the problem. What we do with our weaknesses is really what matters. And in the Bible, we see that Sarah had just as many weaknesses as Abraham. And yet, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, says, By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. There's a reason why this series of messages entitled, They Were Just Like Us. There's a reason for that. Because... If you are battling doubt, if you are battling controlling spirit, if you are battling a critical spirit, if you are battling bitterness in your life, 
If you are battling any weaknesses of any kind, you can be absolutely certain of one thing, that if you allow those weaknesses to take hold of you, the enemy is going to use these weaknesses, and he's going to taunt you about these weaknesses. He's going to try to keep you from witnessing because of your weakness. He's going to keep you from impacting your world for Christ because of these weaknesses. He is going to keep you from making a difference for Christ wherever you may be. He is going to try to keep you from walking by faith And he's going to try to get you keep on walking by feelings instead. Sarah's weakness got her into a royal mess. I mean, Sarah's weakness got her to screw up magnificently. But she ended up exercising faith and made it to this chapter, which we call Faith's Hall of Fame, Hebrews chapter 11. Because without Sarah's cooperation, there would have been no Isaac. Sarah would have said to Abraham, Abby, cut that out. (laughs) I mean, Abby, at our age, forget it. I mean, she could have said, Abby, don't touch me. (laughs) But the reason she is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11, and it says, by faith, Sarah, is because Sarah did not mess up any more royally than Abraham did. (laughs) But I want you now to turn to Genesis chapter 15, because in chapter 15, you find the most definitive, the most clear promise of God to Abraham and Sarah that Abraham is going to have a son by Sarah. And immediately you go to Genesis 16, and what happens? God had just spoken. God had just promised. God had just gone over the whole thing. And immediately the next chapter, chapter 16, you find Sarah taking matters into her own hands and trying to help God out. (laughs) I mean, she wanted to give God a hand. She tried to help him because God needed some help. She tried to bring about the fulfillment of God's promises her way, not his. (laughs) And she tried to improvise on what God wanted to do. And so in Genesis 16, 2, So she said to Abraham, that's after chapter 15 when God made the promise, okay? 16, 2, she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham agreed with what Sarah said. Do you know what the problem really is here? (laughs) Sarah believed that God is so powerful that he closed her womb. But he's not powerful enough to open that womb. That's the problem. (laughs) How many of us, how many of us, are quick to blame God when things go wrong and are very slow to give God the glory when things go right. I remember back in the late 90s when the bubble burst in the market, people would say to me, Brother Michael, why has this happened to me? Look what I've lost. And I wanted to say, well, what did you do for God when the market was skyrocketing? Sarah took things into her own hands. Oh, with all good intentions, of course. <laughs> we all do with good intentions. <laughs> and I did one small step for man and one humongous disaster for mankind. And so she said, 
Everybody's doing it, Abraham. Everybody does it this way. Why shouldn't we? Have you heard that before? You see, in that culture of her day, the time of Abraham, 4,000 years ago, in that culture, if a barren woman want to give her husband children, she would give her maidservant to her husband, and therefore they'll bring descendants that way. That was the cultural thing. That was the the done thing. (laughs) Desperate housewives back then did did a lot of desperate things. Well, (laughs) that was the culture. That was unbelievers were doing. That was with the people who have not received the Word of God and the promises of God and the assurance of God and those who have not fellowshiped with God. Listen to me. Every study that I read concludes that the lifestyle of Christians is not much different from those who are not Christians. And that is why Jesus asked rhetorically, will the Son of Man find faith when He comes to the earth again? And as we come to the end times, I'm convinced that the distinguishing mark between true Christians and cultural Christians is going to be faith. Walking by faith or walking by feeling is going to be the great divide between wheat and chaff and sheep and goats. So why did Sarah do that? Why did Sarah do that? She couldn't wait for God to fulfill His promises, His timing, and His way. Look at verse 2 again. Oh, the Lord kept me from having children. (laughs) Listen to me. Beloved, listen, be careful when you start feeling sorry for yourself. Have you ever felt sorry for yourself? I sure have. I thank God they don't last for very long. God is working a miracle in your life when you surrender to Him, so don't blow it. Sarah was thinking that she was being selfless, and she ended up wronging Hagar, wronging Abraham, but above all, she wronged herself. Beloved, listen to me. We often make the same mistake that Sarah made. We presume on God's grace on the one hand, and then we try to help God out on the other. What about Abraham? Oh, bless his heart. He went along with the scheme. I mean, he could have said, Sarah, buttercup, God promised. Sarah, Sugar plum, whatever they called them back then, you know. God said. But he went right along. He went with the program. It was the natural thing to do. It really was. But beloved, listen to me. Be careful when you do the natural things because you are hindering the supernatural. But praise God. He often rules our silly schemes. He often redeems our foolish plans and then reveals his faithfulness in the process. Nursery rhymes that we taught our children, you know, Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty together again. Do you know why? Because Humpty Dumpty needed the king. And only the king can put Humpty Dumpty together again. 
And let me tell you, if your life is falling apart, if you're going through difficulties, if you're going through times that you don't understand, if you're suffering in any way, remember this, the king wants to put you together again. You've heard all the arguments that come from our culture. Positive thoughts will bring about miracles visualization will bring about miracles, meditation will bring about miracles. Beloved, listen to me, the truth is only faith in the promises of God will bring about the power of God. And Sarah decided to write her own book entitled, Homemade Recipe for a Miracle. Abraham will be able to have a son. Ah, the son that he always wanted. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that dandy? Isn't that a great idea? Man, this is a wonderful scheme of mine. Well, it wasn't a recipe for a miracle. It was a recipe for disaster. But God, in His sovereign plan, and I've been thinking about this lately quite a bit, actually, why God, in His sovereign plan, allowed for Ishmael to be born and be a large nation And I am convinced now that it was so that they may be constant rebuke to the children of God for their unfaithfulness to Him. Go down a few verses in Genesis 16. As soon as Sarah's scheme succeeded (laughs) and Hagar got pregnant, Sarah said, Abraham, where are you? Look at what you've done. Abraham, it's all your fault. Get rid of her. Beloved, be careful. Be careful doing that which may look heroic on the outside. Be careful. That may look heroic on the outside, but on the inside is filled with pride. Be careful of giving the appearance of self-sacrificing on the outside, when you have ulterior motives on the inside. Our outer acts may look heroic, but invariably it's full of selfishness and pride. Look at it here. As soon as Hagar got blessed with the son, Sarah's false pride surfaced. I mean, Sarah's wrong motives popped up their ugly head. And you can imagine poor Abraham saying, But Sarah, honey, it was your idea. Now, guys, that is a bad thing. (laughs) You don't do that. (laughs) Because Sarah would have said to him, I said, Abraham, don't confuse me with the facts. My mind is made up. Get rid of her. But that's not all. Do you know that between Genesis 16 and Genesis 17, in about 13 years of Sarah trying to forget her past scheme, 13 years of Sarah trying to get over that part of her effort to help God out and failed, 13 years of pretending that it was just a nightmare, 13 years of Sarah contemplating what she had done, And in Genesis 18, the pre-incarnate Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ with two angels show up in Abraham and Sarah's tent. She was 90 years old, and he was 99 by that time. My goodness, you would say, 
They were past retirement age. They have already moved into a retirement park in Florida. I love that kid who wrote a summer report, school report in the fall after he spent the summer visiting grandma and grandpa in a retirement park in Florida. And he wrote his report and said the following. I want to I read it to you. I don't want to mess it up. He said, uh, my grandparents sold the big house nearby, and now they live in a big park in Florida with lots of tired people. <laughs> he said, they live in a tin hut, and they ride tricycles that are too big for me. <laughs> they all go to a building that they call Rect Hall, W-R-E-C-K-E-D. <laughs> but it's fixed now. He said, he said, they all do exercises, but not very well. They play a game like checkers, and they push them around on the floor with sticks. There's a swimming pool there, but nobody teaches them how to swim, because they just stand there in the water with their hats on. <laughs> My grandma used to bake cookies for me. But nobody cooks over there. They all go to a restaurant that's fast, and they get discounts. <laughs> when you come into the park, there's a dollhouse with a man sitting in it. He watches all day so they can't get out without him seeing. <laughs> I guess everybody forgets what their names are because they wear big badges with their names on it. He said, Grandma said that Grandpa worked very hard to get tired. <laughs> oh, I miss the cookies, and I wish that they would move back. But I guess the man at the dollhouse won't let them out. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> well, that's where Abraham and Sarah were, in that big park in Florida, retired. In fact, they were past retirement age. <laughs> But the pre-incarnate Christ shows up as their house guest, as their tent guest. You have heard the saying, entertaining angels unawares? That's where it comes from. And Sarah and Abraham exercised hospitality and generous hospitality to the strange visitors. To Sarah's credit, she never complained about Abraham bringing guests for dinner without notice. <laughs> and here in Genesis 18.9, the Lord asks for Sarah by name. He asks for her by name. Please listen to me, beloved friend. Listen to me. When the pre-incarnate Christ asked for Sarah by name, it was not to condemn her. It was not to rebuke her. It was not to remind her of her past failures. It was not to scold her over her past schemes. No, my friend, he asked for her by name so that he might overwhelm her with his grace, so that he might give her the good news, so that he might bestow on her the gift of faith, so that he might affirm his promises to her, and so that he might remind her and Abraham of his faithfulness. And so the Lord said, this time next year, Sarah, you're going to have a baby. 
What? <laughs> Me? Are you kidding? And she laughs. Well, here is her weakness again. Here, her inability to believe God again. Here's her doubt again. Here is her cynicism again. And so in verse 14 of chapter 18, the Lord said, Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? Sarah, you thought that I have the power to close your womb, but I also have the power to open your womb. Poor old Sarah, she couldn't win for losing. When she was confronted by the Lord about her laughter and about her cynicism, she lies. And she says, who, me? I didn't laugh. That wasn't me. (laughs) Poor Sarah, she did not know that she was talking to the Lord of life, that this is the one who sees the very secrets of our hearts. This is the one who knows our very thoughts before we think them. He knows our reaction before we act on them. He knows He's the one who sees everything. He's the one who knows everything. He's the one who hears everything. Most likely, right after that, Sarah felt deep conviction and said to Abraham, my days of doubt are over. My days of disbelief and disobedience are over. Abby, my boy, your wish is my command. Let's get on with it. I now believe God. And so Hebrews 11, 11, By faith, Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who promised. So, my beloved friend, I'm going to ask you this. What are your weaknesses? What are your weaknesses? What do you do with these weaknesses? Do you confess them and allow God to empower you to overcome them, or even use them for His glory? Do you surrender them so that He may bring victory out of them? Father, it is incredible to think about Your graciousness. Lord, so many of us fall in the trap of thinking that we can deserve Your grace And somehow in Your sovereign will, You allow us to experience that grace in the times when we least feel deserve it, because that's what it is. It is Your grace. And just as Your grace overwhelmed Sarah's doubt and cynicism, oh God, I pray that You will allow Your grace overcome all of our weaknesses, whatever they may be. Father, that we would not allow the enemy of our soul to get us focused on these weaknesses and keep us from being effective and keep us from witnessing and keeping us from serving and keep us from being the sent ones, the ambassadors who reconcile the world to you. And Father, I pray for your power. You're a generous God. You give us more than what we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.